Welcome to this week's Seneca Stoic Reading. I'm your co-host, Ren. Today we're going to be listening, reading, looking into Letter 5 from Seneca's Letters from a Stoic. Letter 5 is all about making philosophy relatable and meaningful, and so that's what it's going to be titled here today, is making philosophy both relatable and meaningful, because that's when philosophy truly flourishes, as Seneca will discuss. So Seneca begins this letter by saying, I view with pleasure and approval the way you keep on at your studies and sacrifice everything to your single-minded efforts to make yourself every day a better man. I do not merely urge you to persevere in this. I actually implore you to. Let me give you, though, this one piece of advice. Refrain from following the example of those whose craving is for attention, not their own improvement, by doing certain things which are calculated to give rise to comment on your appearance or way of living generally. So a lot of points to be made just from this, these opening remarks. First and foremost, obviously, refrain from following the example of people who want attention. When we are on our journey of self-improvement, which is what Stoicism is all about, always constantly improving on our way to perfect virtue, if you do it for any external reason whatsoever, you're doing it for the wrong reason. I like to think of an example here, and I'll be honest, this letter is pretty simple, so it's not like I have to explain a lot, but there are some good modern examples I can think of in as teenagers, and I think as adults too, we're kind of programmed to, I'll use the example of if you break up with somebody and then you see your ex like six months later, obviously you're going to be like, oh, I'm doing so much better. Look at all these things I'm doing, yada, yada, yada. And that's that's no good because uh, it doesn't do anything. It serves no purpose versus what Seneca is saying here is if this self-improvement is an internal thing, these people are doing it for themselves. I've already discussed in length how much more invested you're going to be, but it's much more fulfilling. Your, your ability to be consistent and be purposeful is much better when it's an internal drive versus external drives. And so I think when we look at what he's saying here, while this was so many years ago, this is a perfect example of influencer culture being a bad thing. We look at these journeys of self-improvement, and I talked about this week in terms of hustle culture, a lot of the time, it's all about self-promo and attention and selling something. I use the example of Amon Gazi or some of these kind of masculine men influencers who are like, look at what I'm doing. You have to follow me. If you don't do this, you're not a real man. It's all for attention. It's all attention-based. And do they get results? Sure. But you're not going to get results by following them because they're not going to actually give you good advice. They're not actually going to show you how to live. They're just going to go wherever the money is, and they're going to go do whatever makes them the most amount of money. Because ultimately, it's in their self-interest to do so. Now, I, I'm very critical of these types of people, but I'm not, I wouldn't do the same thing, but it's understandable you're in that position, you're making a lot of money, you say, well, I might as well continue doing this by feeding them feedback. And, you know, sure, it may have worked for them, but again, it's not necessarily going to work for you. So Seneca talks all the time about finding a proper role model. A proper role model is not somebody who goes out in the streets and shouts, look at what I'm doing, look at these cool things I've gotten, and all of these things. A good role model is somebody who puts their head down and works. And that's not anything except for their internal drive that's motivating them. And so if you want somebody to mirror your character off of, you obviously want that person. So the final advice here is don't follow influencers. Don't follow those self-promo people. Don't follow celebrities in general. Those good role models that I'm talking about, 90% certain they're going to come from your personal life. Because the people you find on the internet are not doing it for anything other than attention. Now, this may sound hypocritical because we have a podcast where we basically, you know, tell you some stoic tips. This is what we've done. This is the results we've gotten. So it seems hypocritical. But I swear to you, none of it is attention-based. You need a proper teacher. 
in life and the podcast serves as that so well you know i'm sure people will think in their heads well that seems a little bit hypocritical the reality is is that the stoics were great teachers seneca aurelius epictetus they all had students who they taught to and the beauty of the internet age is we can kind of through the podcast hopefully do the same thing where we have applied these stoic principles we're certainly not perfect whatsoever we certainly don't even have 100 percent knowledge of the stoic school philosophy that's very hard to master but we have done these things we've seen some results some of them are good some of them are bad but we talk about all of them equally and give you the feedback so that you can use them but with that out of the way we can continue where seneca is taking a dig at the school of cynics here he says avoid shabby attire long hair and unkempt beard an outspoken dislike of silverware, sleeping on the ground, and all other misguided means to self-advertisement. The very name of philosophy, however modest the manner in which it is pursued, is unpopular enough as it is. Imagine what the reaction would be if we started disassociating ourselves from the conventions of society. So cynicism and stoicism are very closely related. They both derive themselves from Socrates and kind of the same school of thought. The difference is, is that Stoics believe in like laws and social constructs like, you know, being dressed appropriately, being clean-shaven, being hygienic, those kind of social constructs. They believe those were natural and that we should follow all of those things, follow laws as long as they're fair, and that's living in accordance with nature. The Cynics, however, believe that these things, truthfully, shabby attire, not shaving, not taking showers, sleeping on the ground, not following laws, not following kind of the normal social conventions was natural. And so that's the difference between those two schools. And so Seneca really here is taking a dig at this school by saying, look at what they do and how silly they look doing it. They bring a bad name to philosophy by intentionally going out of their way to be poor. And we don't necessarily struggle with that anymore, I don't think. Now, obviously, I don't have like full knowledge of the entire human race, but I've I'm very hard-pressed to think of any stories of people who intentionally give away all their possessions and try to live poor and bring attention to themselves that way. What we struggle more with nowadays is the opposite, which is giving, getting these extravagant things like nice cars, nice clothing, nice jewelry, just to show it off and to say, look at me, look at what I've done with my life. And Seneca is going to talk about balance in the future here, but the balance is you want to do neither of these things. You don't want to be like a cynic and say, I completely reject all social conventions. I'm not going to shower for seven days. I'm going to sleep on the floor I need really, really crappy things in my life, crappy goods, instead of the normal, just simplistic things. Neither of those are a good path. Seneca argues instead that inwardly, everything should be different, but our outward face should conform with the crowd. Our clothes should not be gouty, yet they should not be dowdy either. We should not keep silver plate with inlays of solid gold, but at the same time, we should not imagine that doing without gold and silver is proof that we are leading the simple life. Let our aim be a way of life not diametrically opposed to, but better than that of the mob. Otherwise, we shall repel and alienate the very people whose reform we desire. We shall make them, moreover, reluctant to imitate us in anything for fear they may have to imitate us in everything. And this is, this is why we need to strike balance. Seneca makes an interesting point here that philosophy was unpopular even during his time, and philosophy still certainly is unpopular. The, the comments that we get that kind of frustrate me the most are the ones that says who cares and things of that nature when it relates to philosophy. Philosophy truly changed my life, and it has the power to do that for everybody. I really believe that, that any person can pick up philosophy, whatever resonates most with them, read it in depth, do that research, put that hard work in, and it'll completely change your life. It doesn't even have to be stoicism. 
For me, it was Stoicism, but for others, it can be other schools of philosophy. But philosophy is already unpopular enough, is what Seneca is saying here. Why do we need to make it more unpopular by doing these ridiculous things going out of our way just to say, look at me, I'm living a simplistic life? You don't need to say it or show it. You just need to simply do it. And if you're living the simple life here and you have silverware and things with gold inlays, that's fine because the philosopher, the wise man, the stoic, even if he has those great things, he's not going to show them off. He's not going to feel like they're a burden. They're just there. But what makes the wise man is the content of his character and how he handles those possessions. There's nothing worse than a wealthy person who's like, look at all these things I have. You know, what color is your Bugatti type of logic? There's nothing worse than that. Somebody who's flexing all of their money. But we all can see you are not a good person. And for me, I don't know if this is an unconventional opinion, I would much rather be dirt poor living on the side of the road. But anybody who knows me says, yes, you know, Ren is a very nice person. He's very kind. He's very genuine. Than be driving a Lamborghini right now. But I'm an ass to people. And that's what he's saying here is we repel and alienate when we do that. If you are somebody who you're on this self-improvement track, you have a great mindset, that's not an excuse for you to feel superior and say, well, you shouldn't think like that, man. I'm much better at that than you. Listen to what I have to say. Nobody wants to follow that person. And in fact, they're encouraged to do the opposite because people genuinely, generally are kind people. And so they see somebody who's being an ass and is saying, well, I'm better than you. Nobody wants to be like that person. So the philosopher needs to be somebody who, yes, you can be proud of yourself. Yes, you can be proud of your improvement, but you don't need to externalize it and voice that to other people in a way that makes them feel bad if they have any deficiencies or shortcomings. I really hate that, Sto that the school of stoicism gets a bad rap for not caring about other people because in truth, and we'll see this in the next few sentences, stoics were always about you know, mastering yourself first, taking care of your home first, and then going out and changing other people's lives in a similar fashion. It's all about giving back once you've kind of, not necessarily mastered, but gotten to a point where you can give back and you can kind of be revered and be a role model. So he continues by saying, the first thing philosophy promises us is the feeling of fellowship, of belonging to mankind and being members of a community. Being different will mean the abandoning of that manifesto. We must watch that the means by which we hope to gain admiration do not earn ridicule and hostility. Our motto, as everyone knows, is to live in conformity with nature. It is quite contrary to nature to torture one's body, to reject simple standards of cleanliness, and make a point of being dirty, to adopt a diet that is not just plain, but hideous and revolting. In the same way as a craving for dainties is a token of extravagant living, avoidance of familiar and inexpensive dishes betokens insanity. Philosophy calls for simple living, not for doing penance, and the simple way of life need not be a crude one. So we've got three things here. First, he's saying philosophy is all about fellowship, and that is very, very true. I, thankfully, through this podcast, have gotten to meet and talk to a lot of people who are truly trying to practice Stoic values and are really into philosophy as much as I am, and I can say with 100% certainty that it feels like a very, very tight-knit community when you meet people like that. And that's what philosophy is. It, it actually brings us much, much closer together. It's kind of ironic, really, because you see, you imagine a Stoic, and it's somebody who's very pensive, very keeps to themselves, all of those things. But once you break into that community, it really is fellowship. It's a sense of brotherhood. It's a sense of community, and it's a sense of belonging because you all share, at least even if it's different schools of philosophy, you all share the value that you want to seek wisdom and improve your life. 
And that's a big precursor. It brings a lot of people together. And going out of your way to say, look at how much better I'm doing than you, goes, it goes directly against that, diametrically opposed to, as Seneca puts it. And so when you're, when you're living life, you always want to, even if you think that you are better than another person, I'll sit here and I'll admit, there are times where I see people who are doing some pretty horrid things behaviorally, and I'm like, wow, I would never do that. I'm a little bit better than this person. And it's fine. It's actually a human reaction to say that. But you can't then go and act on that and tell them that because that's just ridiculous. That's ridiculously rude. And instead, you got to flip the mindset to saying, well, let's see how I can be the most relatable to that person so we can find some common ground so I can give them the tools to better their life. And then secondly, in this little blurb, he again goes after cynicism, not being in conformity with nature. Don't really need to go over that because that's more of just a debate between schools of philosophy. And finally, philosophy calls for simple living, not for doing penance. And I think this thought can be applied to a lot of other things. And that is, you don't have to punish others for their mistakes. Similarly to you don't have to punish yourself. Instead, you need to practice understanding and acceptance. That's what I think. It's not necessarily what Seneca's first thought was with the statement, but it can easily be derived that part of that simple living is you know, accept your mistakes, you're going to make them eventually, so you might as well come to terms with them, and accept them in others as well, so that you can teach them fairly, nicely, politely, in the interest of improving their lives, as you're doing to yourself in your own journey. The journey of other people should, in honest truth, mirror the journey of yourself, in the way that you both have the similar values, and you have similar kind of priorities. Besides that, maybe your path is a little bit different, but Everybody's path needs to include that level of acceptance and understanding or else nobody's going to want to pursue philosophy whatsoever. And so that's what we're trying to do on the podcast is we're, you know, 100% genuine, 100% honest. We take accountability, you know, we take responsibility for our actions and realize that even a platform as small as we have right now, it matters what we say to the utmost degree. And so that's why we do a lot of background research. That's why we kind of script a little bit. That's why we are very intentional with what we say because we are trying to lead in that terms of path. Seneca is uh, now going to talk about like what the difference is between the philosopher and the common man. He says, people should admire our way of life, but they should at the same time find it understandable. Does that mean we are to act just like other people? Is there to be no distinction between us and them? Most certainly there is. Any close observer should be aware that we are different from the mob. Anyone entering our home should admire us rather than our furnishings. It is a great man that can treat his earthenware as if it was silver, and a man who treats his silver as if it was earthenware is no less great. Finding wealth an intolerable burden is the mark of an unstable mind. All he's saying here is that whether you are very wealthy, very poor, or somewhere in between, you should always be judged on your character, not on your possessions, and you should act as such. So if you're a rich person, you don't have to act poor, but you have to act of high character, similar to a person who is in poverty. You should not change no matter what the situation is. And so that means if you're rich now, you should be able to lose those possessions and not lose your character. And if you're poor, you shouldn't change just because you acquire money. Finally, this is kind of weird to me. We have this train of thought around philosophy and then Seneca throws in this verse about hope and fear. So he ends with, but let me share with you as usual the day's small find. Limiting one's desires actually helps to cure one of fear. Cease to hope and you will cease to fear. But how, you will ask, can things as diverse as these be linked? Well, the fact is, Lucilius, that they are bound up with one another, unconnected as they may seem. Widely different though they are, the two of them march in unison like a prisoner, and the escort he is handcuffed to. Fear keeps pace with hope. 
nor does their so moving together surprise me, but both belong to a mind in suspense, to a mind in a state of anxiety through looking into the future. Both are mainly due to projecting our thoughts far ahead of us instead of adapting ourselves to the present. Thus it is that foresight, the greatest blessing humanity has been given, is transformed into a curse. Wild animals run from the dangers they actually see, and once they have escaped them, worry no more. We, however, are tormented alike by what is past and what is to come. Number of our blessings do us harm, for memory brings back the agony of fear, while foresight brings it on prematurely. No one confines his unhappiness to the present. So, I actually agree and disagree here. I think that hope and fear are linked in the sense that, yes, they are both things that come with looking towards the future, but I think that eliminating hope does not eliminate fear, just as eliminating fear does not eliminate hope. I think it's actually really a balance where they're two distinct things that maybe you can call together by saying, how do I analyze the future? But if you do that and you say, okay, well, I'm not going to be afraid of this thing, you're still going to be hopeful. It's not necessary for you to eliminate both fear and hope. I think that's actually unnatural, and I think that's inhumane. Humans naturally feel fear and hope. But I do like that he talks about how the foresight and looking so far ahead is just going to cause us undue stress. There's a difference between foresight and recognizing like patterns. Take, for example, if there's like a hurricane coming, obviously you want to worry about that before it's there. Or if you get mugged by the same person three times, you might want to watch out for that person. So it's saying confine your stress to the present. Don't worry about things that are happening in the future because you can't do anything about them usually. Now, do some pattern recognition, have some foresight, have some common sense. But in the end, do not let fear and hope kind of overrule you just enjoying the moment. Enjoy the moment or conquer the moment if it's something to be afraid of. But don't look too far ahead because you need to look into the present to truthfully master what you're going through right now. You don't need to worry about five steps ahead. Just conquer this first step. With that being said, this has been letter five of Seneca's Letters from a Stoic. Kind of a lot of varied topics in it, but it really teaches us that if we want to be philosophical, if we want to be philosophers, and we learn this very on within the podcast, we don't need to project ourselves as perfect people or superior people even. We need to project ourselves as normal, relatable people who have utilized a tool to improve our lives. And in that regard, then we can give that tool to others in a fair, honest, and understandable manner so that they themselves improve. And I think that that personally is a great way to improve society, and that's why we're doing the podcast. But thanks for listening. As always, I will return next week with letter six. Be sure to check out some of our episodes on the podcast. We've had a really good streak of episodes lately, and I've been your co-host, Ren.